Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of UGA Sports Live. My name is Rodney Nabolsi. I'm joined by Dane Young at the Super Fancy Studio and Jim Donnan, former Georgia Bulldogs head coach from his house in Athens, Georgia. The, the, the infestation of former Georgia coaches in Athens continues. They won't leave. You know, you try to get them out of here and they just stick around. They, they Apparently they realize Athens is a great place to live and uh, they keep coming back. So even though we try to get rid of coach every week, he just, uh, he won't do it. He's apparently he's, He's dug in like a tick. He's going to be on the show every week, no matter what we try. How many, no matter how many times we offend him, he keeps coming back for more abuse. It's just, uh, it's sad, really. It is. But I'm glad he's here, and I know you're glad he's here. And I'm sure everyone is tuning in to hear Coach's take on this uh, past weekend, big recruiting weekend for Georgia. Uh, the players are actually out, uh, you know, doing their self-initiated. Uh, runs and stuff. Of course, they also have the uh, the limited amount that they can do with the coaches, and we'll get coaches uh, take Voluntary on. workout is what you're Voluntary workouts is the term I'm looking for. So we'll get coaches take on that. And of course, we have a ton of questions to get to. I put up a note on Facebook, and we got a ton of them come in. So coach, we'll get your uh, answers there. But first and foremost, I do want to uh, tell people, please share this with your friends. And if you have a question, put it into the comments section. If you're watching it on YouTube, Drop it in the comment section. If you're watching on Facebook, drop it in the comment section. We will try to get to that as well. Uh, Coach, uh, first question we had for you, and it's kind of, you know, I normally I just give to you for an opening monologue, but I thought this question was really good because it kind of uh, encapsulates what's on everyone's mind. It comes from CCUGA. He says, what have you guys heard about the big recruiting weekend? And I know, Coach, you're not a – you can't be over there and evolved all this stuff, but what have you heard about this weekend? Cause I heard it went really, really well. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just like uh, anytime that the rumors get out, everybody's going to say different things. You've never heard anybody say they had a bad recruiting class, <laughs> a bad recruiting weekend, but I do feel like that uh, I can share just a couple things here that would, would not be out of school here. Uh, fortunately for me, couple of my ex-players uh, had sons here this weekend, uh, Mike Lucky, Lawson Lucky, his rising senior tight end, and then uh, Baron Haynes, Justice Haynes, the running back, who's going to now go to Buford next year for his senior year, were uh, on official visits here. So uh, Coach Hartley and Coach McGee told me if I had a chance to come by at lunchtime on Sunday, Saturday and say hello to them and uh, also – uh, you know, hopefully put in a good word with those two guys. Not that I think we need that much. I, I think we're in good shape with them. But, but, you know, I usually try to just kind of go over there and I don't really say a lot much on these kind of shows. But I, I was impressed with uh, just the uh, the type of kids that were there, uh, not just the physical ability that you see uh, on tape and the, and the way they're set up, you know, physically, but just their uh, manners, their – there weren't a bunch of hot dogs over there. I've seen some before, but there there were some guys there that were really intent on uh, their visit. Some nice parents to uh, certainly proud of their their kids, but uh, asking the right type of questions. And f fortunately for me, uh, uh, just have a chance to talk to Mike and uh, and also Veron and r remind Veron that day that I tried to get him out of two tickets on the same uh, speeding ticket. Of <laughs> Over at and had a lot of fun with that. But uh, Veron looks like he could still play. I mean, he looks like he's in great shape. He looks good. And I put a couple pictures out of uh, me with with those guys. It's more of a pride factor. And I, I think that's about all I can sh share as far as anything, except that uh, the organization that, that I saw over there, uh, I would be embarrassed to have a recruiting weekend when I was coaching – uh, to try to compete with that. It was just uh, everything was just laid out so good, and there were so many people uh, working with the different, uh, you know, people that not only the uh, recruits but their parents and their brothers and whoever else was with them, but uh, just little things like the, the banquet there. They had little, little uh, tables there for everybody to sit, and everyone had a couple of shakers on it and a, and a bulldog and an arch there, you know, for mementos, just little things like that that just make you feel don't leave any stone unturned. And uh, and then the food uh, had three food trucks there. Uh, 
just uh, max, maxed out. Uh, I think Grotty, somebody told him about him. I, do, I would never tell him, but I can tell you now that I, I went through that line there. I didn't get the hamburgers because they had the loaded hamburgers, had everything on it, but uh, they had uh, a, a taco uh, place, and then they had, uh, you know, s- some really good uh, wings on top of that, and then so many different types of drinks. You just could pick, pick out anything. But the, the biggest thing there was just – you just got a family atmosphere. The coaches' families were there. The it, it just it was it'd be like if you went to a family reunion and everybody was just patting everybody on the back and glad to see each other. I just I thought the atmosphere was overwhelming, positive, and uh, I'm sure it's like that everywhere. Uh, you know, you got to give your best shot with them, but uh, you can always tell when kids are into it. And they, there was 13 kids there and. I made a point to see every one of them as far as looking them in the eye and, and checking them out. Uh, I don't think I met every one of them, but uh, there was one kid from Louisiana here that uh, I don't know a lot of people know about, but he's got a background. His mother uh, uh, and dad's uh, have a family there to have a couple of pro quarterbacks that played in the family, but I don't know if anybody really knows who they're talking about, but hey, what, didn't the grandfather also play a little ball? Yeah, this guy was, was here and, yeah. Uh, if you would have, I mean, certainly I'm being facetious there, but it, the thing about that kid that I thought was really good was the fact that he was one of the boys, you know, he wasn't, he was just moving around and interacting with our players and interacting with uh, our, uh, the recruits that were there. And, uh, I got to see a little bit of the seven on seven that they had set up for the, uh, you know, the players to see what the kids were doing. You know, I mean, it was a pr- basically a seven on seven and the linemen were working out and all that. But uh, that was the other thing that just wowed me. Uh, Humphrey, Singletary, Marvin Jones made my mouth water to the mats. Uh, just bringing those guys in here. Now I know they're going to have to learn everything and I can't say anything else because Kirby will jump my ass about it, but I'm just <laughs> Uh, just on the eyeball test, our team out there to be out there the first day after all of May and everything and everybody coming back from everywhere around the country, uh, you know, certainly looks like the kind of team that George has had the last few years. I mean, just very athletic, those the big linemen, uh, just no big fat turds out there. I mean, just good looking kids and, uh, D-line, same thing, and then the secondary with those guys coming in really help us. So that's pretty much something that uh, I feel like I'm really not divulging a whole lot there. But uh, I, I, did, I did feel I did feel uh, really good about the fact that as you – and you guys don't, don't have any grandchildren or anything. Yeah, you just – but the one thing that's really critical when you have players – is you hope that they're going to develop and become the kind of guys that, that are going to be contributing to society. And, and you see guys like Ron and, and Mike Lucky and his his two brothers and all that. And, you know, like Hap Pine sent me a note this morning, a kicker for me. He said his little boy, nine years old, is coming to camp today and how, uh-huh. fired, how fired up he is that those little boys will be over there and every one of them will be homesick. Uh, I remember the first camp I ever worked at. I was in charge of the fourth floor and I went up there and there was four little boys all cuddled up in one corner of this one bed. And uh, I said, what are you two guys doing in here? Are you supposed to be in your room? He said, well, this one boy said, we're from the same hometown. You think we can all sleep together tonight? No. So (laughs) I said, Hey, y'all can do that. You know, but those little kids, I mean, that's the first time away from home and uh, it's really uh it's it's good and and Kirby and them will do a good job with them. They got a lot of help for this camp coming up. This is the one that they had. The ones they had the first of June were all, you know, day camps for just individual workouts. These are like they, I think these kids stay here to Thursday, or maybe, I mean, it's three days. But uh, so much for that. So we get any questions there, but uh, I feel like I'm telling you a little bit there. No, that helps. And uh, you mentioned the organization they had and. Uh, we, my UGA sports guys that cover recruiting did a great job. They got a hold of Justice Haynes and had a great write up with him. You know, they talked to TJ Shanahan. He's like, Look, 
Georgia's not a team I could really easily pass up on. T.J. Shanahan, the number eight player in the nation. Justin Haynes, number one running back in the nation. Caleb Downs, the number one safety in the nation. Right about Georgia. Uh, just so many updates. We've got some behind-the-scenes stuff that we've heard about Arch Manning. If you go to the vault, check it out. But what we saw mentioned repeatedly, Coach, was the uh, the, they said the plan Georgia has. Everything You don't feel rushed but it feels like everything is accounted for. Every minute is accounted for. The organization is there. And yeah, what, what you got to do when every kid is making them feel like he's the only one there, you just don't need a herd mentality where you've got a bunch of kids going from here to there and all that. It, you just have to have it uh, minutely organized. And, and the other thing that was just impressive were the 13 vans that they had there in black bands lined up and every player had his own band and his own what and those guys made sure they went everywhere and custom type deal uh, and it was uh i remember we used to put them all on a bus and take them over to the business <laughs> school and i'd ride on the bus with them and try to move around and talk to many kids but it, it's just it's just overwhelming the um, the way it's organized and neyland raper all those guys all of uh all the guys and the girls that help out is just uh, very impressive. Yeah, I, was, I mean, and the, for the kids to mention it, when we're asking them, "Hey, what did the coaches say to you? What did you think you were visible? What did your parents think of it?" For them to say, "Look, the organization was top notch," you know, and we had fun doing this and we enjoyed doing that. And then they would talk about each one of them. Would talk about the large amounts of time they spent with their position coach or they spent with Kirby Smart. You know, again, one on one or Kirby with their family, him, the, the player, and his family. So. To your point, they did make these kids feel like it was just they were the only ones on the visit, or that they were the most important ones on the visit. And and that's not unique. Everybody got their own plan with a position coach. Uh, you you got a visionary type. Hey, Roddy, you're a good back. This is what we're going to do with our system. This is the way she planned out for the next couple of years. I mean, every kid to, to do that. But one of the best. Seven, whatever they call that, a voluntary workout, as these kids can actually envision themselves and look at themselves from a standpoint of uh, how do I fit in here and, and what to do. Uh, and you always warn them a little bit and say, look, most of these get two or three years, so don't get scared about, you know, how am I, I'm really not as developed as this guy and all that. So uh, you got to be careful that you just don't. The guy doesn't think he can't play. He all of a sudden thinks, well, you know, I'm gonna have a hard time here. But uh, it, it's uh, it was it's like everything else around here. First ticket. No, and that's that was the second point I was gonna make. You stole my point before I could get to it. Thanks a lot. I appreciate that. Well, it was the fact that they all mentioned watching the seven on seven or watching the the actual team work out, and they said, you know, I could see myself running around out there. I could see myself working out with those guys. I could, I got an idea, you know, and if you're watching, you're watching seven on seven and Todd Munkin saying, I know, see what uh, they're doing here. This is a play we'll run for you, Arch, or Hey, Justice. And the other little tidbit that we could give folks is TJ Shanahan and Justice Haynes, they had long conversations with Arch, a those guys talking about playing together. And, you know, the, you know I never want to bring up package deals and stuff like that, but it was a lot of guys could see themselves playing there. And I want to go to Dane on this one, or, or Coach, you can touch it on it too. Can I just point out one thing? The coaches sure. aren't out there now. No, Todd Munkin, those guys, they can't be out there with them. Okay. It's a voluntary thing. So the coaches can maybe in, a, in an individual meeting talk to them and all. But uh, I was the only coach out there during seven on seven. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you can watch it as a, as a non coach. I love it. Can uh, analysts be out there? Like, I know strength coaches can be around uh, players in the oh, summer, but analysts can't yeah. be. It's just purely voluntary. Uh, that's just that's just a good rule, really. I mean, you might as well be practicing if the coaches are there. But that is true. But you know, I know that I figured they could uh, if they were if they're down on the other field. Maybe you can be on another field pointing them out. But I guess they can't. But point being, they they got to watch you know the guys work out. They got to see what the players do. See that hey, it's you know the first week of June. These guys are out there busting their ass. That's what I'm going to have to do if I come here and want to play. Uh, I thought it was an interesting approach, and the, the guys on our recruiting uh, show that aired last night mentioned this for the last couple of weeks. It seems that there's been a shift, Dane or Coach, whoever wants to take this, and it seemed like Georgia always wanted to be the last official visit. You always wanted to get the last word in. 
But now it seems like they want to get the first word in because we spoke to these guys, Shanahan, Downs, Justice Haynes, guys like that. And they said, uh, yeah, this is my first visit. Now I'm going to Alabama, going to Clemson, Tennessee, wherever to go visit next. But it seems to me like Georgia said, look, you know, we're so confident in the way our official visits, how strongly they are designed, how well they're designed. What We're going to set the bar really high. We don't need the last word. We're going to make the first word. And then everyone else will come in and try to have to live up to what we did, you know, and everyone will be comparing their next visit to ours. And I just think that is kind of a monumental shift in the way Georgia has approached these, at least this recruiting class. I could be wrong there, Coach, but uh, give me your thoughts on that. Go ahead, Dane, then I'll say what I I don't know that it matters a whole ton, right? Like if you have a great experience at a place, does it matter that you went to two places surrounding it like before or after? If one of these guys goes somewhere in the next two weeks and, and is blown away by it more than Georgia, then, you know, whatever. I get what you're saying. I just like at the end of the day, the best is going to win out. I don't think because you went somewhere first or last, it's typically going to be the reason that you go there. That's true. Yeah, That's a, a, lot of it, a lot of it's just timing uh, what they – what they have available on their own schedule and putting it together. And there's a little bit of uh, secret type stuff where you get a guy like Sperlin and Lucky who have already committed and make sure they're here uh, when some of these guys are here and you try to work that out too, where you work in the back door a little bit, you know I mean? Yeah. About that's easier to talk about coming here when you already know it, that you're here. So uh, you, you get these committed guys to come in there with them, but uh, there's, there's something about getting in a room with four or five guys and you see a picture and everything. And uh, we used to try to get them and that old deal, like you get somebody in, in there and say, well, I'll tell you one thing, I'm coming here. How about you? You know, and just like that. Yeah. Sometimes a guy would jump on it and, and do it, but you really don't want to talk somebody into this. So it's, just, it's such a point where nobody likes to feel like they've been talked into something that they don't want to do. So just let, let it, flow and, and build up and uh, Sunday they have a breakfast deal over at Kirby's house and it's kind of a rolling deal where guys are coming in and out and working uh, visiting with Kirby there at the end and uh, you know he's a good closer and he basically tells them where, where they stand in our program and what he's got planned for them and uh, it's, it's a good good situation there to be with your boss there the last thing in the visit so he's always great at that. I know Arch Manning gets a lot of the headlines from the guys that were here, but in reading some of the content, then Roddy, you mentioned that Jed and and Blaine and and Ben and Trent, like the great job from our recruiting team covering this weekend. They killed it. Uh, they absolutely killed it. Blaine did a story with Justice Haynes and Justice. There was a quote in there that like I've, I've been thinking about it for like three days because it shows the level of confidence that he has in himself. He was talking about his dad, and he was saying, I mean. Yeah, I'm. I think I'm a better player than my dad was. And, and like, yes, you want that level of confidence. But you sit and you think about it. Veron Haynes was a good college running back, and then he was a, a really good NFL player for multiple years on championship teams. And so for Justice to say, "Yeah, I'm better than him. I can do more things than he did." Like that level of confidence is what you have to have to be a superstar in the SEC. And I think Justice Haynes is that. He's been a superstar in Georgia since he was a freshman in high school. Yeah, and he wants to live up to that. But uh, a real kind of funny but also kind of a impressive deal to me was uh, right after I met Justice out there uh, his dad kind of walked down toward the end of the field he said see that right there and he pointed to the to the field closest to Lumpkin he said that's where coach Don and offered me a scholarship after practice one day wow. I mean hey you, you, can't <laughs> beat, you, you can't beat stuff like that I mean did you tear up, Coach? I would have. No, I didn't tear up, but, I mean, I said, hey, I waited as long as I could. I was trying to hold and make sure if you made it, you know, but I didn't tell in front of Justin. You know, the guy's credit. He transferred from Western Kentucky without any help, and uh, he, he, he we were talking about the guys he was competing against, Patrick Pass and Robert Edwards, and uh, just on and on. There, there, was a, there were a lot of good players out there. You know, Landis Gary, I mean, and uh, just uh, one after the other. But uh, he was a good team guy, a good special teams guy. And uh, it's just uh, we, we don't need to get hokey about this. But I do feel like on the, uh, on the, on the scholarship, I mean, when the guys are making the visits, that uh, you just never know what's going to tip the scale. I mean, 
always told everybody when they came to our place, don't make any rash judgments, wait to the end of the visit, don't make a lot of comparisons because there's some things we might not have that the other place has, but base it on how you feel around the players. That's the number one thing. And uh, I know this, that our players did an excellent job with these guys this weekend. They were primed and cocked, ready to go being host for them and making them feel like what the Georgia way was. So uh, that that's the best thing you can do. You can have all these facilities and everything like that, but if you go someplace and the, they're saying, Hey, that, that guy's going to BS you. That's not the way it is uh, as compared to, Hey, you know, this guy's tough, but when he tells you something, he's going to do it. And uh, same way with the parents, you know, I think it's great that, uh, that, uh, the parents get a chance to interact with the with the coaches and see what it's like too, and they place a, a high premium on academics. I mean, a whole Saturday morning they're working. A, they did a breakfast over to Terry uh, Business College and had all these academic people over there with them, and that's that's really big for the moms and daddies. Speaking of moms and dads, if you want to have, uh, they need to get uh, Mary Delp, Oscar Delp's mother, on staff as a recruiting uh, <laughs> specialist. <laughs> she, that is, she is a dynamo when it comes to recruiting. I saw her pick out uh, notes ahead of time said, hey, just go ahead and pull triggers. Just go ahead. And, there's not a better place. What are you looking for? Go ahead and commit. So she's a right. And the coach, you did mention, uh, you know, not making those, not pressuring those kids, getting in a room and uh, putting the pressure on them. And I, that reminds me of one of our sponsors who does not put pressure on people. If you ever need a vehicle and you want to go out to uh, get a new or pre-owned vehicle, you can swing out by our friends at Athens Ford, and you won't get that high-pressure sales tactic. You know, we walk onto the lot, and this guy pops up like a vampire in an old uh, black-and-white movie, you know, behind you. Like, hey, what are you looking for? You're like, dude, where'd you come from? You don't get that kind of sales pressure at the, the folks that are at Athens Ford. They were very friendly. They ask you what you need. What can they do for you? You just want to walk around the lot, look at stuff, you know, and or check it out on their website, they're more than willing to let you just do that. Then if you have a question, you want to take a test drive, then they'll take care of you. They're not uh, uh, blood-sucking parasites who are just waiting, you know, for the next sector to come in. They're, they're good guys, and they're going to take good care of you. And, of course, if you need any service or anything like that, they, they're, the service department is top-notch. The waiting area where you get your car fixed is fantastic. It's immaculately clean, has great Wi-Fi, great snacks, free Starbucks coffee, just all sorts of great stuff out there. So if you're looking for a vehicle, you look for low pressure when it comes in and the service department is going to pressure you. You go in for a oil change. You're not going to come out and say, hey, you need new tires, new brakes, new air filter. You need a, a turn signal fluid, all that stuff. And they're not going to put you through that. They're going to take good care of you. So when you get a chance and you want low pressure but high quality service or sales, swing by our friends at Athens Ford. also want to mention our friends over at Academia Brewing Company because that is a place that's nearby. So if you're you know, on the east side of Athens and you're looking for a place that uh, is going to take good care of you. Again, no pressure, just casual, just fun. Our friends at Academia Brewing Company will take care of you because they're going to say, hey, come in. Uh, we got tons of great beers. We have tons of great wines. We have tons of great food. We have tons of great places where you can watch games, watch TV, watch uh, or uh, listen to live music or sit out on their great uh, beer cart, sit on their deck that they enjoy, that, you know, that's so enjoyable to sit at. You know, they, they, you're not in the bright sun. You know, they have these nice uh, shady areas outside. They're great. And uh, gee, I think it was last night. Uh, give me one second here. I'll look that up. Yeah, last night they had uh, Star Wars Trivia Night. It was huge trivia night uh, on June 6th. Uh, it was 7 p.m. They had it out there. So there's always something going on like that. There's live comedy shows. There's car shows. Uh there's always something going on at Academia Brewing Company. Again, if you're looking for low uh, or no pressure, you just want to have a good time, and you don't want somebody badgering you into a rushed decision like the, like Georgia does when uh, like Georgia does not do when it comes to recruits. They don't badger those kids. They don't push them into a fast decision. They let the kids come to the decision on their own. You'll have the same experience when you go to Academia Brewing Company or our friends at Athens Ford. Coach, you had mentioned how Kirby Smart is is a closer, but I start looking at some of the track records of these assistant coaches, especially the ones that have been on the team for a while. I mean, Del McGee is as much of a closer as you can find. And I think Todd Hartley is reaching that status right now, too, when you look at the level of tight ends that have been here. We've seen what Trey Scott has done recently. So these assistant coaches, it seems like there are many Kirby Smarts uh, just being flocked around the country and then bringing the five stars in. Yeah, it's just uh, team effort. I mean, it's like any – uh, organization you got uh, vice presidents will set something up and then bring people in and the 
CEO will come in there and meet with a corporate group. It's the same way with uh, assistant coaches are, are really more geared into their position maybe than it used to be. It used to be very, uh, and you might be recruiting several guys and not many outside your position like it is. You know, we used to have outside the position where, you know, a guy would recruit quarterbacks, line, everything. So uh, basically what they have now is each coach has a, an area in Georgia and outside the state, and you identify the prospects, and then the uh, position coach really gets involved with them a lot more because that's the way it's rolling. But the thing that Kirby does is just uh, he recruits like an assistant coach, though. I mean, he he works these guys on the phone. He works the text. I mean, he's uh, he's relentless head coach on from that standpoint, and you hear that over and over about his relationship with uh, with the different players, and uh, there's not a lot of guys that when you, when you call, refer to a coach, you don't see people calling Nick Nick. I'm talking about the recruits are calling uh, Ryan Day. I mean, they call him Coach Coach, but hey, Kirby is Kirby, you know. What I mean, so they just feel <laughs> feel good, and I think it's a relaxing type deal that you can call him by that name, you know. So I mean. But uh, you just look back at his record as assistant coach, all the guys he's recruited over the years. Of course, it's easier for sure at Alabama and Georgia than some of these places. But uh, uh, one of the things I used to tell coaches when we were at these lesser schools, I mean, I don't want you to spend all your time coming in second. Hey, I really like that coach. I really like that coach. But you know you don't have a shot at him. Just go ahead and drop it, man. Uh, go for the ones you can at least have a shot at. I don't. I'm not interested in a bunch of seconds. You know, I want to. I want to close some guys out. When you're at, you know, when we were at Marshall and places like that. But uh, in Georgia now, you like we always talked about. You going after the guys that, that you can uh, make a difference. And I'm telling you right now, if you would just walk out on that field last Saturday afternoon, at twelve o'clock. I mean, there's some flat-out players out there, man, <laughs> athletes. Yes. Speaking of one of those, somebody was asking, uh, you, you, you mentioned how it made your mouth water. The question was, um, uh, sorry, how does how does Singletary look in seven-on-sevens? I mean, I'm, maybe it's probably too early, but I'm no, telling he, you what. He's just, just learning the coverages and all, but I'm just talking about on the eyeball test with the lean. Exactly. And uh, Humphrey's speed is just hmm. – uh, he and Arian Smith need to go on and just have a race right now. <laughs> he, he's, he's fast. Coach, I have a quarterback evaluation question for you because with all the hype and then obviously his name and everything. General manager, why would you have – I mean, you always got to evaluate Because I didn't win a national championship and get into the College Football Hall of Fame. That's why. All right, what's the question? Uh, when you're evaluating a quarterback that they play in a small division where there's not going to be division one athletes all over the field, I, I guess, what do you look for? Because you know, the level of competition is different. They're not getting the the pass rush like they would if they were going against, you know, some of the guys that play in higher up football and not to say that there aren't superstars that come from small schools. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying in watching Arch Manning, it reminded me so much of watching Brock Vandergriff and his games at Prince Avenue, where it's like, well, he's throwing the receivers way smaller than he's going to. He's getting blocked uh, and the defensive linemen are smaller. How do you evaluate that saying, how is this going to go over to the next level when everyone's bigger and faster? Well, the one thing you always want them to do is get them on campus where you can watch them live. And uh, fortunately, from last year when Arch was here for a one-day camp, and I don't care who he's playing with. I mean, uh, we you can go back to the podcast that we had after he was here. I mean, I was very much impressed with his uh, the way he jumped out there and uh, was able to compete. You know, I just think – he just got – he's a natural. I mean, he has some different throwing motions that change around a little bit. You get some – but uh, and I think uh, any quarterback nowadays uh, that you're given the keys to the car, I mean, that's the guy that's going to take over your program usually. you, you got to see him live uh, and hopefully at your place working out with uh, better receivers if – there's a question mark about the level, you know what I'm saying? So uh, I would say it's very seldom that anybody anywhere takes a quarterback without seeing them 
work out on his own campus. I mean, your, your, your campus, but that's the way it is nowadays. And that's why you see in the pros, these different general managers and everybody go out to these workouts that these guys have when they're on campus and not to mention the ones they do at the uh, combine. But tape is not the answer on a quarterback. You got to you got to see him live. I'd mentioned you being a college football Hall of Famer, and it jarred my memory. We'd be remiss if we didn't take the opportunity and congratulate both Mark Richt, former head coach, and Garrison uh, Hurst for being uh, on the college football Hall of Fame ballot for 2023. Uh, and the most remarkable thing, and I, I think Mark Richt does a very good chance to be voted in when you look at his record and, and history, uh, and Kirby Smart on the trajectory that he is, I think he'll probably be there one day. That would be four out of Georgia's last five head coaches being in the college football Hall of Fame. <laughs> including the one yeah, on the show with us. Yeah, I hope, Mark, uh, you know, it's always tough that first year to get in because they've got guys that are carryovers, but uh, they used to change it. You had to be out of coaching for five years, but it's – and he, uh, you know, he's got a over 70% winning percentage, and usually, you know, the 600 is a drop-off there. Anything under 600, you can't – and then Garrison Hurst uh, – we know what kind of pro career he had. He also had a good college career. But uh, we've been fortunate here the last couple years uh, getting champ in and, uh, you know, David Pollock. So uh, hopefully same thing will happen with Garrison. Garrison absolutely deserves it. Of course, we've got a lot more arch questions. Um, Coach, here's a good one for you. Says uh, This is from Riley. Uh, Riley, thanks for sending in the question. Says, uh, Coach, if we don't get arch, do you not take a quarterback in 2023? I'm going to say that answer is no because coach's internet uh, froze. I think you want a quarterback in every single class. Yeah. Um, and, and Roddy, you've covered this longer than I have, and maybe it's easier to cover up for that now with the transfer portal, knowing that you will have an option to, to get someone on campus, even if it's not as a freshman. But I think you want a freshman quarterback in every single class just because of the frequency that four- and five-star quarterbacks transfer out. So you don't want to find yourself in a spot like Georgia was in heading into, what, 2020, where you lose Jake Fromm, Jamie Newman doesn't show up, uh, and then all of a sudden here goes Dwan Mathis with Stetson Bennett behind him. I get why Riley would say that, though, because when you look at the fact you have, you know, uh, Gunnar Stockton on campus, you have Brock Vandegrift. I think, I mean, they're both freshmen this year. So it's like, well, you, you, you've got plenty of guys. So, uh, and the 2024, you know, quarterback class is pretty loaded and your Georgia's in really well there. But our recruiting guys have reported there are some guys that, uh, some quarterbacks in the 2023 class who, don't, don't exactly have an offer from Georgia right now, or they, at least they don't have a committable offer. And the Georgia coaches have made no bones about it. They said, look, we're in it for Arch Manning. Now, if we don't get him, we're going to circle back around and talk to you. You know, or they, you, we're talking to you now, but that will change our calculus about what we're doing. So, the, Riley, to answer your question, I can't say for certain, but some of these, there's a couple quarterbacks, we've had stories about them at UGSports.com who've been told uh, by the Georgia coaches straight out. We're, we're, we're all in on arch, but if we don't get him, we're going to come talking to you. Now, does that translate into an uh, offer? To, you know, I don't know, but it's worth uh, it's worth keeping an eye on. But I'm with you, Dane. I think that you definitely – you got to take bodies. you got to have enough people. So, My bad. Yeah. I don't know. But what you were talking about, if we don't get arch, what what's the question? The question was, if you don't get arch manning this year, do you not take a quarterback in the 2023 class? You know, I don't know what the situation is going to be, uh, who, else, who else is out there. Uh, but the one thing that's – like. one thing that's very prevalent to me is the uh, transfer portal quarterback-wise based on uh, be like a guy free agent uh, in pro football going to a team like Matthew Stafford going to the Rams. I think you can always look at the portal – at quarterback now, you're going to see more and more really good quarterbacks that are on good teams that want to play on great teams. You know, for example, the guy at uh, Houston Baptist last year left and went to Western Kentucky and just did unbelievable amount of 55 touchdowns. But there's guys out Bailey, there. Bailey Zapp, he got drafted yeah. by the Patriots. Yeah, there's guys out there like that. So I don't want anybody to quote me saying, hey, if we don't get him, we're going to go after a transfer. But uh, we, we've got a good quarterback room right now with our guys we got. So you, you want to make make sure that you uh, look at, uh, at at the whole 
type of deal and get the back backup. Yeah, that, that, I thought was, that's exactly what the writer was getting at. You have pretty good room there. Uh, we have another question from Dallas Dog, and of course, this is right in his wheelhouse. He says, I saw a future cast for TJ Shanahan to Georgia. Shanahan, the number eight player in the nation, big offensive lineman. He says, that has to help with Arch Manning, right? And uh, well, I, don't, I don't think Arch Manning's worried about who's going to go where. I mean, maybe he does with nothing to put the guy's question, but I tell you what, you can take take a glass of water and let the water hit the ground. That's what I think of those future casts. I mean, I mean, that's everybody's got an opinion, but uh, I mean, who, who did that? Somebody out in Texas or something? No, one of our rival national guys who covers Texas and Louisiana. Oh, okay. Nick, Nick Harris, he said uh, he, he put in that he thinks T.J. Uh, Shanahan is going to go to Georgia. And if you read the update we had with Shanahan, he raves about Georgia. And he did spend a lot of time with Arch talking about it. And Arch was like, hey, well, at least I got to go off an alignment in my class. Who do we have? Who, it who, can't who, hurt. <laughs> who are we going against with Shanahan? Who is, who's it, Texas or Texas A&M? Or yeah, Texas A&M is going to be a big one in that, in that situation. All right. Okay, but I, you know, I, I think that's why we got these sites. Everybody talks about these different kids, and uh, there's more. There's really more talk about the recruits than there are our players. But uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's it's summer, you know. It's, uh, that's right. Uh, but, uh, let's see. I'm trying to remember where he's going right. to next. People just do a drive by on Lumpkin Street and see Willock. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, he's also going to check out uh, LSU as well. I knew it was another team, so he, uh, Shanahan's going to go check out Texas A&M and LSU. Up next, but no, that's a good point. And uh, uh, coach, you did mention the fact that the, you were kind of looking at some of those kids, and you mentioned you know they were kids. That's another thing that a lot of the guys that we spoke to after the recruiting weekend were saying about Arch. It's like, look, he's not the prima donna; he's just a kid. He's we just a fun guy to, to hang out with, talk to. He's not some egotistical. Wild yeah. man, you know, he's just a regular guy. They kept saying he's a regular kid. He's a regular kid. And so Justice Haynes and his dad and uh, T.J. Shanahan and Caleb Downs, they were all very complimentary. And I, th I think we tend to forget when we talk about number one, number eight, number one safety, number one running back, they're high school kids. Right, so, right. And, you know, yeah. the thing about anybody, sometimes the reputation you – you think that a guy's just a big star and like that, and then all of a sudden you really deceive just a young man trying to make his way. And uh, it's a, it's got to be tough with that uh, background, you know, all the people wanting him to do well and thinking because he's a Manning and all that. But uh, he's got to use that to his advantage too. Yeah. Why don't we get to a few questions about uh, some of the players on the current team, Earl McClure. And the chat says, since Marius Nims came back from the portal, has he showed out at practice? Seems like he has big upside. Uh, to answer your question, uh, not a whole lot of formal practice has been going on since he returned, but I think that, you know, Marius Mims, the, the talent's there. It's, it's, can his talent meet the opportunity at the right time? Yeah, just the fact he's back here shows a lot of uh, gumption on his part. I mean, he realizes that this is where he needs to be. Now he's got to earn his spot. I mean, I'm just telling you, go put the tape on, watch the last two years, watch Warren McClendon. I mean, the guy is a technician. He's a big guy and he knows what he's doing and uh, he's hard to beat out. That's just, just the way it is. And it's, you can't beat a guy out if you're not practicing. He had a concussion. Uh, Mims had a concussion for two weeks, but they had some plans to look at McClendon inside to maybe get him out there. Mims out there, they had McClendon snapping. That's another thing we said on our show early on that McClendon was being looked at like that. So we'll see. They got 29 practice opportunities and they got all summer. Um, the only thing I know, when I walked by him a couple of times, the last couple of times I've been over there at the, the facility, that guy's smile is wider than one of those uh, Ford F-150s. The guy looks like he's happy. He's ready to rock, and uh, things will work out, and he's got a new coach and Coach Searles starting out fresh, and we'll see how it works. I want to bring up uh, this text, I mean, this tweet from Brent Rollins, speaking of Warren McClendon. He says, since being inserted at right tackle against Arkansas in 2020, UGA's Warren McClendon has had 24 straight starts, 1,445 snaps, 
a 75.8 overall grade, which if you understand the PFF grading, the pro football focus grading, that's really well. Uh, and uh, 24 quarterback pressures allowed on 743 pass block snaps. So he has been consistent. So that's pretty distinct uh, average there. Uh. <laughs> well, and if you look across George's offensive line, like guys have been injured and dinged up and missed games. McClendon's just steady over there. And that, he's I mean, because it ain't like he's not getting like hit and banged around like everyone else. That just means he's a tough yeah. son of a gun. He is. Uh, a couple questions from the dog vent. This from Jay Fields 93. Coach, do you think Stetson Bennett will throw for more than 3,000 yards and 30 plus touchdowns this year? Uh, and then he asked, Do you think that he can break Aaron Murray's single season record? You know, a lot, it's all relative to uh, what the scores in the games are. I mean, if we play six or seven four quarter games, I, I think he, he might do that. But other than that, you know, we've got to get these other guys ready for the future. So we're going to put those guys in. Whoever the second team guy is, is going to probably play more than most second team guys. If the game's under control, I, I would do that. So I don't know if he'll have a lot of those stats, but uh, he's capable of that. I'm telling you right there. And here's the thing that nobody has said, and I'm going to say it on June 7, 2022. The kid has not had the reps that a number one quarterback usually has. You go back to two years ago, he didn't do anything in the spring or the summer, and then uh, they brought him in against Arkansas and he, he got started getting a lot of uh, same thing last year, you know, wait until uh, JT got hurt, and then he wasn't even second team. Then Beck was it. So the fact that he had all spring and he's going to have all summer working with these receivers and he's going to have 29 practices, He's going to be sharper than a tack to go with that big old group of linemen and those three tight ends and those receivers and all. I think he's just going to be, have a big year. But stat-wise, he might not have as many. If we play six or seven games like that, he'll have 3,000. Yeah, a lot of fourth quarters might not be in there. That That's going to hurt some stats. Or one of the other quarterbacks or the running backs will get it. Uh, this one from Blocker57. I really like this question. So he's reading uh, a book right now called uh, What It Takes. Uh, it Takes What It Takes to Getting Neutral. And it's a book by Trevor Moad. And uh, he says, uh, Nick Saban gave a lot of credit to Trevor Moad for the mentality of Alabama football. And when Kirby was hired, Trevor was one of the first uh, people to kind of come along and help with the mental shaping of George's team. And so he says, how do you think that Trevor's impact on the team shaped UGA football to be what it is today. And I should say, unfortunately, Trevor uh, passed away late last year after a couple of years of, of battling cancer. So um, go read his content and his book and his work because he was right there at the top with some of the best mental coaches in, in all of sports. Yeah, he's right up there with a, a, a plethora of people that we use here. Uh, he's not the only one. I mean, throughout the fall camp, Kirby works really diligently with uh, – different types of motivational speakers and, uh, you know, people that talk about uh, different phases that a young athlete will go through, whether it be uh, talking about a drug awareness, uh, you know, the, uh, no matter what it might be, but the mental part is, is really important because you got to realize that the expectancy level for these young men is really out the, you know, it's just really unbelievable what people expect. I mean, that's why we have these shows people are talking about, Hey, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? So there's pressure on them to do it from within, but it's also from within the dog nation and uh, the family. So uh, most of these guys that come in and talk is that talk to them, talk about, Hey, you've got to have that inner belief, that inner uh, feeling of teamwork to go beside just the me type deal. You got to work within the group. And I thought Kirby and the staff and everybody did a tremendous job last year. The first time that we had a chance to really use everything that we got compared to the COVID year where they talked about meeting with the players as a collective group, which you couldn't do, and get each one of them get to know each other a little bit better. It's easier to be a teammate if you know what that other guy's going through, if you know his background, you know what's uh, the the – the problems that he's had to uh, overcome and things like that. So that, that self 
respects one thing, but also respect for your fellow teammate. And uh, guys like uh, Trevor Moad do a great job. These books are great. And uh, I think psychologically, uh, that's one thing we work hard on here. We work hard on the mental part. Very important. Uh, I like that they brought in, uh, we put on the board that uh, Thomas Davis came in and spoke to the recruits who were in town. I thought yeah, they have a. They always have a speaker on uh, Friday night. They they meet over at the uh, underneath the stadium there in the new plate, plate recruiting lounge, and they have a dinner there. And, and that's kind of get to know the coaches, they introduce them, and they always have a, uh, a, a former player talk to them. And, and in this case, Thomas Davis has got such a back a background of success off the field. You know, he was the NFL play uh, man of the year. Uh, chosen among all the people in the NFL for community service a couple of years ago. And that's impressive to put that up on the board and then him talk about uh, being recruited here. Uh, I remember I was working on him before I left and uh, Doug Marone was doing a good job on him. Then they came in, the new staff got him here. But uh, Thomas is a great example of a, of a guy that was not a high recruit, but coming out and just being a heck of a player and, uh, and, you know, he talks – I'm sure he talked about what Georgia meant to him. And the other thing they do that night is they play some kind of game. Sometimes they'll play – I don't know what – I think they played some kind of Georgia charades the other night. And they just kind of have fun, get you know. And then they put those uniforms on and they go down there and those kids take their pictures. And, and I mean, that's impressive. I mean, here's a chance where you get the national championship trophy out there and the guy's wearing all these different uniforms and getting these pictures made and – it's kind of sets the tone for the weekend. Shout out to Shelman, Georgia with Thomas Davis. Coach, did you go down to Shelman to see him? Because uh, I, I worked in TV down there, and I want to say even when I worked there, the population was around 1,000. Uh, I, I have to say that was the spring of my last year. Uh, I didn't go down there as much as I probably should have, but uh, I've been to a lot of places in Georgia before that you don't know about, but I – I don't, oh, you don't know that I don't know about him because I probably live there. <laughs> it ain't, it ain't, look, it's not just Georgia. I've told Coach why. What you got to do sometimes. These small out, towns, he knows them all. Go out with a coach one time, and there's a Doberman pincher tied up there with a, with a, <laughs> a rope, and you don't know if it's far enough to get to the door of the house, and you don't know if you get – so you always have an assistant coach with you to go first. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, I've been like – Coach, I'm in this uh, rinky-dink little town in South Carolina. He's, oh, yeah, I recruited a kid out of there. You need to go to this diner. It's up here. Go up to that uh, old dead tree stump and take a left. You'll be there in 15 minutes. I'm like, how the hell do you know this? You're better than Google and Siri put together. So Yeah, that's been everywhere. Uh, when I was recruiting that young kid over in Clemson, uh, everybody had to go to this diner there and talk to this guy in town, you know, and. Uh, he ended up going to Clemson. I knew he probably would, but uh, it was fun going over there. But we did get uh, we did get uh, breed love out of Clemson, which really chapped Clemson's butt. <laughs> uh, Phil Rogers with a comment says, "Roddy, thank you for the site for giving us dogs in Jacksonville something to hear about the dogs down here." That's nice. good, Phil. Appreciate it. The Jacksonville Bulldog Club is fantastic. I love talking to those folks when we get a chance. Uh, I do want to mention a couple of our sponsors that. Um, Kind of tough. There is a, um, I think there is a Europe in Jacksonville, but if there's not, there should be one because that would be a great town to have one. I'm pretty sure there is, though. But point being, if you were, uh, we talked earlier about uh, pressure and such, and I don't want to put too much pressure on you, but I do want to give you a little bit of advice. Today is a Tuesday. So, of course, if you are thinking about getting your pie this week or getting it today, it would be a great time to order your pie. A salad, a European pie pizza, a European pie sandwich, or European pie pasta, whatever it is, do it on the app. Get out your phone, bring up the European pie app, order the uh, pizza the exact way you want it. Tell them the crust you want, tell them the sauce, tell them the cheese, tell them all the toppings you want. And order it that way. Add a drink, add a gelato, add whatever you like, add chips. Uh, go by and pick it up or have it delivered. They'll, they'll deliver it to you. They're more than happy to do that. Or, you know, they'll walk it out to your car and go by and pick it up. Uh, be waiting for you. It'll be warm. It'll be fantastic. You get double points, and the points add up really fast. You know, there are a lot of people out there that have these frequent flyer or frequent member type points thing, and you feel like you have to buy 30 of them to get a half off of something. 
that's not how the European folks work. They are quick to get you free pizzas, free gelato, free sandwiches, free, free breadsticks, stuff like that. So it's a Tuesday. Today's a great day to order it. So if you want to order it for later in the week, they say, hey, I'll order today. I'll pick it up later. I hit up our friends at European when you get the chance. And again, I want to put too much pressure on you, but Father's Day is coming up. So uh, just a heads up, you know, you're going to have to come up with something to do for Father's Day. And our friends over at uh, Dead Socks came up with a good got a good idea. So with Father's Day almost here, they come up with a perfect gift to fit any budget. And if, whether you're buying the, the, some socks as a gift or doing it for yourself, sometimes you're like, hey, folks, uh, this is what I'm getting myself for Father's Day. Y'all can sign on the card, but this is what I want. Uh, Dead Soxy is here to help you celebrate your dad with style. So go to deadsoxy.com and take advantage of anything on the site with a 35% off sale. So think about it. 35% off is a lot of money. And you can go there, buy anything you want. Just use promo code UGA Sports. It's not going to come up 35% off automatically. You have to go in and put in the, the promo code UGA Sports. Pretty easy to remember. You should be a subscriber to UGA Sports anyway, or you should be following UGA Sports on YouTube or Facebook. Uh, but 35% off sale. And these are going to be socks your dad loves. Your dad's going to wear them. I'm wearing the uh, uh, no-shows right now. They're fantastic. So point being, when you get a chance, uh, you're trying to think, what do I get dad? And I know there's that kind of cliche of getting him socks or a tie, and you're like, oh, that would be terrible. Get him some socks he'll love. Get him something that he will look forward to. Get him his next favorite pair of socks. And hell, get him six pairs of his favorite socks. He'll, he'll absolutely love them. You'll see him wearing them all the time. And it'll be something that uh, he can enjoy year round and not just, uh, oh, yeah, here's that ceramic mug you made for me that doesn't hold coffee. So uh, get him something good that he'll absolutely enjoy. Uh, Roddy, if you have any more questions and you want to sneak in there, I do have a quick game I'm going to play with Coach at the end of the show just to oh. let him make fun of me for being a GM. Uh, dude, we got we got a bunch of them. Uh, Twenty one dog says, Coach, how is the Australian kicker looking? You know, I think he's making progress. I mean, he uh, had, had uh, looked he's a punter, isn't he? He's, he's a, a punter. punter. Looked a lot better uh, as the spring progressed, and you know, it's just different uh, with the rush and uh, and trying to get it off on time and all that. But he's got a good leg. He's got good rhythm, and uh, I feel like he's good. He's certainly not Jake yet, but he's got uh, he's got a lot of potential, and uh, I, I feel like he'll be uh, more than adequate. Uh, here's a good question from a uh, dog in France. I think this was kind of funny. It says, "Why are we not getting any night games? Noon games are great for me, being six hours ahead. But I see why people get mad about the lack of night games. You know, it's just uh, early. It's early on the the games. I mean." Yeah. Uh, certainly the Oregon game is a primo game for 3.30 kickoff. Uh, you, and you know, they're always going to have the Florida game 3.30, but uh, right. we'll, we'll still get some night games. I know the, the players uh, always like to play earlier in the day. I mean, it's hard to just sit around and wait all day for a game, but uh, you like night games for recruiting because kids have a lot better chance of getting here and not having to rush the – 12 o'clock games are just murder on recruiting because the guy's got to get up and get here. It's just tough, but uh, I don't think we'll be playing a lot of 12 o'clock games. I think pretty good shot Tennessee will be a night game. And then the way that the schedule's lined up recently where Kentucky is you know, in contention in the SEC East until late in the season, that may get flipped into a primetime game too. Yeah, I hope not. I don't want to go up there and freeze my ass off. I mean, that, that's a tough place to play at night anyhow, and that – at least they got turf now instead of that bluegrass that was slick as a baby's butt. But uh, <laughs> hey, this year, though, I'm probably going to go to that game because I can go over to uh, Keelan Racetrack. I think the uh, horse betting season will still be underway by the time that game is played. So I think they overlap this time, but it hasn't been the case in the past. I mean, so. I promise you, John Calipari made that, that schedule for them. I mean, that's the easiest <laughs> schedule I've ever seen non-conference. Of course, they got Louisville, but they got three laydown games, and uh, you know, really not that overwhelming on the crossover. So uh, they got a chance to win ten games this year. And when they got the quarterback Levi's, you know, he just he's he's, he's tough. I mean, Coach, uh, which grass is worse, the the old slick blue grass at Kentucky or the knee high Neyland Stadium grass? It's fifty fifty there. I mean, they're <laughs> both, they both suck. And they haven't done anything about Tennessee's. At least 
least uh, they got a turf field up at Kentucky now. But yeah, uh, I did. I did want to point out to, to answer Dog Francis' question. A lot of reasons. Uh, I know I'll hear something from the UG administration every time people complain about night games or lack of night games. They say, "Look, we don't pick the times. Right. The, game, the games go up for basically auction or bid. You know, they they're just gonna be, they're drafted. That's the easiest way to say it." So you have a slate of games, and then CBS picks one, and ESPN picks one, whoever. It's not the school saying, we want to be at 8 o'clock, because if ESPN says, we want your game, and they've got the first pick, they get to take it and put it wherever the hell they want. They don't take your considerations into it. They don't take your feelings into consideration. They don't, they don't give a damn. They're like, we got first pick. We want your game. We want it at noon. Shut up. Well, here's you know? a good example. Fox. Fox has the, their 12 o'clock game, which is their big deal now. You know, they've got that big show on, like ESPN's game day. They have the lead up, and then they try to have a big game, either Big 8, excuse me, Big 12 game or uh, Big 10. And the Alabama's playing Texas real early in the year, and all of a sudden they've taken that game to the 12 o'clock uh, window, but it's going to start at 11 in Austin. Well, everybody – out there is just mad. I mean, you got hundred thousand people got to get there at eleven o'clock, you know, for eleven o'clock game just because Fox picked that window. That's going to be a great national show for them. The twelve o'clock Eastern to have Alabama yeah. and Texas in a non-conference game. So you're, that's exactly what happens. I mean, uh, you can't bring Fox, but uh, and last year everybody at Oklahoma was mad because they made them play Nebraska at eleven. You know, and. Uh, yeah. That's, that's a hard game. It is. And again, it's not. It's not. Doesn't have anything to do with uh, the president or the AD demanding that you get an eight o'clock game. You're. It's, it's money. They pay the bill. They get to. They get to slot you where they want to. Well, I, I mean, like that. Mississippi State plays Arizona at eleven p.m. Eastern time, just because yeah, of the way that that works out for TV. Yeah, they'll be back. But we used to play out at Oklahoma. We play that twelve o'clock game. Twelve. You know, uh, we'd be sitting around, but we'd be watching the the game that that would start back east. You know, earlier, and we used to have a when we were really kicking people's butt. We had, used to have a hard time getting Switzer to come out on the field for warmups because he wanted to watch that game. But uh, we, finally, <laughs> we finally would get him out there at least to shake the coach's hand. But uh, he wasn't out there very long. Uh, before I get to the last question here, I want to uh, shout out to Blocker57. That guy is a great uh, supporter of uh, UGSports.com. And as somebody you definitely need to follow on UGSports.com, you can go to any of the uh, people on the board and click on their name, you know, their handle, and you can actually follow them so you'll be alerted when they post stuff. Because if you need to know what's going on weather-wise, be sure to check him out. Yeah, he's Blocker. good. I mean, he needs to get on the weather channel. Yeah, he's, he'll be the next uh, – well, he's he's got – he might actually start a company that's – Competes with the Weather Channel. So just a guy to follow, an up-and-comer, and you'll be able to say you know him way back when. Uh, last question, Coach, and you kind of already answered this one, talking about recruiting uh, regions and such, but Valdosta Dan, who's down the, down in the uh, southern part of the state, says the state of Georgia is putting, in, is putting more players into the NFL than Florida or California, which is quite impressive considering the uh, disparity in uh, population. He says, Coach, how do we lock down the state? Well, I think we've done a good job of it. You can't take every kid. I mean, you can't get every kid. You look at some of the guys that were drafted last year that were from the state of Georgia, but it's hard to just, uh, you know, just say, hey, we're going to put a lock on the state. And yeah. there's just too many schools that, that are after all these. And you got to be careful that you try to take a guy in Georgia when you got a guy like Brock Bowers in California or, you know, the national – uh, recruiting thing has made it tougher to lock down the state because there's so many really you, you'd like to take an in-state player but if you've got a great player in California or Pennsylvania you look at our squad you, you got to use what's best for your squad and uh, yeah. and uh, one of the best things I ever heard Kirby say when we're talking about players and who is taking he said I'm taking the ones that's going to help me support Mary Beth and my kids <laughs> I mean, that's, that, and now he's getting ready to support him when he gets his next con. But that's the point. He said, I owe it to them. But they, he said, I can't worry about what everybody else thinks. And I sure. thought it was a really good question, good answer there. Now, speaking of uh, any 
idea of what uh, his next deal is going to be. I'll put it this way. I don't want to get into this specific 10 million, 11, eight. How many? Do you think when Kirby Smart gets his new deal, he'll be the number one paid college coach in America? Yes. For now, someone else will jump. Yeah. I was just, he took for Nick now. Dabo and Riley have it in their contract that they, that they would be within so much of whoever makes more. So there's always those riders in there that they can change it. But uh, I think we're talking about a mega deal there. And the same thing for uh, going to happen with Monk in here. I mean, everybody's acting like you got a different deal and all. Every, you know, writing he's up told, two million now. That's impressive. I told her back in uh, January that he was getting that. And it was ba- he's basically getting what he had with Cleveland. He was making that at Cleveland, and he, he made half of it here, and Cleveland played the other half, and now he's going to make all of it at Georgia. But uh, I think he's going to – I know one thing uh, doesn't hurt when you're talking to Arch Manning and say, hey, our, coach, our head coach is locked in here for 10 years and our uh, offensive coordinator for two or three, so nothing wrong with that as compared to a hey, University of Texas. Boy, they had a great year last year, uh, five and seven. Boy, yeah. Uh, <laughs> No, I wouldn't say that to him. <laughs> yes, you would. Don't lie. <laughs> you would drop it very subtly, though. All right, folks, that's all the time we have for this week. Thanks for tuning what about in. The, what's the game? I was all part of it. I, this, oh, this is real quick. I have this. I was telling Roddy beforehand in the studio, man, studio not found 404 from the New Media Institute at UGA. There's this like soundboard here, and I've been trying to find out a way to like use this in a way like there's the different. <laughs> What I was going to do, Coach, before the show, I uh, I ranked the SEC quarterbacks based on what I think they might be right now. I was going to get your reaction to it. Is it? I'm supposed to laugh when I say it, or what? <laughs> you you can do what you want to do. I'm the GM. What was that noise that we just heard? Uh, I didn't hear it through the. Uh, Did you hear it, Ronnie? Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's probably the, the sound. You got all these sound effects keyed up, Coach. All right, let's uh, go. There we go. Like a shock jock on uh, 96 Rockets. This, this, this is off the record writing. All right, yeah. That's why I saved it to the end of the show. Yeah, that's number, my soundboard over here. Number one, Stetson Bennett. Nope, number 14, Ken Seals, Vanderbilt. Yeah, I mean, he's got a role there. That's, that's it. Number 13, Brady Cook, Missouri. If he's a starter... Yeah, right. Some of these may not be starters. Number 12, Jackson Dart, Ole Miss. I don't know if he's going to be the starter. I mean, that guy that, that played in the bowl game, but uh, I would say he, he's close there, 12. Number 11, Max Johnson, Texas A&M. Got to move Max up. I mean, I'd have him in the top six. Number 10, Spencer Radler, South Carolina. I'd say that's about right for him. I think Spencer Rattler is going to have a hard time in the SEC. Uh, you just watch. He, he's not uh, agile enough to get away from the pass rush. Number nine, Zach Calzada, Auburn. You think he's going to beat out Finley? He better. <laughs> if not, oh, my gosh. Uh, I, would, I would say. <laughs> That's going to be a fun uh, one to watch. Hell, I want he, does to to win, he does have a win over Bama. That's kind of the reason I'm saying that on that one. Number eight, Anthony Richardson. I like Florida. Anthony. I don't know what his supporting cast is, but he he could be in the top five. Number seven, Will Levis, Kentucky. I would move Will Levis up there in a New York minute with Herndon. Is this your rating? This is mine. This is me, right. Coach. I, yeah. I have Levis way ahead of him up there. Go ahead. Number six, Miles Brennan, LSU. I like him. He's been hurt, but I like him. I like I like Brennan, but I don't think he's in the top six. Number five, KJ Jefferson, Arkansas. Good, good running quarterback. Got to work on his passing, but he you knows he's won some games. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I'm not that high on. <laughs> I love this. Number four, Hendon Hooker, Tennessee. High on Hooker. I, I think he's difference maker. Uh, he, he's he should be in the top four. Number three, Stetson Bennett, Georgia. I gotta go. I, I, gotta go, I, gotta go, I gotta go Stetson number two behind Bryce Young. Who you got two? Number two, Will Rogers, Mississippi State. Oh, Will Rogers, kiss my rotten ass. I mean, come on. Will Rogers is a good player, but how many games is he when he throw nine million passes and not any yards? But they're they're all for a yard and a half, coach. Uh, I I've got Stetson ahead of him and Bryce Young number one. Yeah, Bryce Young number one. 
uh, the whole thing was to set it up so I could have that moment at the end, <laughs> and it was good. worth it. Yeah. That was me being a good producer, y'all. Well, you did good with it. That was good, but uh, 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 certainly some good quarterbacks in that that mix there, and uh, certainly good. But have a lot of fun there. Hi <laughs> guys. Now we're done playing with the sound effects, and we can use those next week. Okay. Somebody's dropping uh, some pans somewhere. Right. I'm telling you, dang. <laughs> but that, uh, that signals the end of our show. Hey, show. Listen, seriously. <laughs> Next week, turn in, tune into the Gong Show. I mean, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, uh, so halfway through, we'll probably have lost our producer. He'll be donged out of here. I uh, big shout out to all our sponsors. Appreciate Academia Brewing Company, Athens Ford, Europe and Dead Stocksy. Thanks to you for all tuning in and uh, sending in your questions. We really appreciate it. Be sure to tune in next Tuesday. We will have a uh, lot of fun, a lot more fun stuff to talk about and a lot more questions to answer. We will see you next week. Take care. We talking about practice.